The following is an unedited, full-length recording of the April 3, 2018, Board of Selectmen meeting. Meeting coverage is made available through the efforts of Foxborough Cable Access on behalf of the Foxborough Board of Selectmen. Video of Board of Selectmen meetings air on the Government Channel in Foxborough and are also available on the Foxborough Cable Access website at fcatv.org. This meeting runs just over two hours and 17 minutes. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the April 3rd Board of Selectmen's meeting. Um, 7 o'clock, I'll read the agenda. 7 o'clock, we'll have citizens input. 7.05, possible action dog hearing appeal. Uh, Mark and Lisa Brennan versus Town of Foxborough. 7.10, uh, Jared Craig, Nalo Rodriguez, Foxborough Cultural Council. 7.20, presentation, Bill Yukna, Article 6, High School Track and Stands. <coughs> 7.40, motion to reopen Town Warrant to add article for sewer for Borough School Project. 7.45, discussion, possible action, town warrant articles, and proposed uh, fiscal year 19 budget. 8.05, approved firefighter contract. 8.10, child sexual abuse awareness committee. 8.20, discussion, possible action, draft policy to establish mandatory training for child sexual abuse awareness. Uh, 8.30, selectman's update. 8.40, town manager's update. 8.50, assistant town manager's update. Uh, we have a bunch of action items. Around 9.15, we'll adjourn to go into executive session. Um, we have three items. First, uh, to conduct strategy sessions in preparation for negotiations for contract renewal non-union personnel, Finance Director Randy Scollins. Uh, number two, to conduct strategy sessions in preparation for negotiations for contract renewal with union, uh, AFSCME, uh, DPW. And number three, to conduct strategy sessions relative to pending litigation. And because we're...
And so I was, I also got a verbal from the Attorney General's office. I was told that Frank was absolutely correct and I was able to speak. So I know they answered to this board and why I'm, I know there's, I'm not on the agenda, so I'm not asking for any conversation back and forth, but just to make it known that as a taxpayer, I was basically silenced and I would hope that in the future myself or any other taxpayer who would like to speak at any committee meeting is allowed to do so. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else here for citizen input? Whatever your pleasure is. <coughs> My name is Rich Noonan, my name is John Hurley, and we're the co-founders of the former Fox Against Diabetes 5K Road Race, which we've held for the past 17 years. Um, we made notification last year that last year's event was going to be our last year. Um, we wanted to come in front of you today to thank you for your support for the last 17 years. Um, we're very excited that Foxborough Cares is now um, taking over our time slot that we've, you know, pretty much... Uh, you know, owned for the last 17 years. Uh, we're excited. Um, we're here to offer our uh, support in any way, but more importantly, um, we're grateful that someone's taken that time, time slot because it's been such a great community event for Foxborough. Um, we wanted to make it known and, and make sure everyone knew how grateful we were. And then through your support and the community support, we were able to raise $398,656 for the diabetes research. Um, it just shows you what a great community Foxborough is, isn't it? Almost every year we had close to a thousand runs come on to an event and it really was for us and a lot of families an event that they, they focused on to come out uh, the Saturday after Memorial Day right before Founders Day. So it made it like a three day, three week event for the beginning of the summer. So we wanted to thank you. Thank you for for all your efforts. Um, and I think we'll, this will be a, a good time to take an action item out of order. Um, and that would be action item number seven. Uh, Doug, could you read? Yep. Move to approve public event application for Foxborough Cares 5K Road Race on 6-2-18 from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Second. Motion made. Second. Uh, further discussion? Yeah, under discussion. At, at this point, I'm going to recuse myself. And if I could go to the table since I'm the... Um, the applicant, yep. um, I speak for, as, a, as a citizen, yep. resident. Sure. Thank you, members of the board. Uh, for the record, speaking as a resident from Dallas, obviously. Um, we go back a little bit. So we presented an application to the board of selectmen to continue the road race on January 2nd. So let me go back a little further. Um, for about 10 years, the JCs ran this race. I don't know if many people remember that, but they, they started this, they ran it for about 10 years, and the proceeds went right into families and things that people needed. Uh, when they decided to shift gears a little bit, uh, Richie and Jonathan came over for the FAD and ran it for 17 years. So um, as, as many residents did, I ran it, and we finished last year, and said, so what a shame for it to end um, after such a long, um, positive impact on the town. 
So we got together uh, 18 people and we formed a, uh, we're forming a 501 c 3 And it's, it's a pretty neat partnership. It's the, the beneficiary of this is, is two parts. One is going to be uh, the Maryland Rodman Performing Arts Center at the Orpheum. And the other one is going to be the uh, Foxborough Police um, Relief Association. Both are not uh, 501c3s, so we're going to come together, and the proceeds that we bring in are going right back into the community, either through programs at the Orpheum or through the relief front fund that the police set up to aid families and scholarships and things like that. Um, so, uh, Rich and Jonathan was very nice to us. We have never saying run a road race, but we've organized, organized a road race. Uh, we've been meeting uh, just about every, every week or every other week. Uh, the name of the race is the Foxborough Cares 5K, and where Foxborough Cares came, comes from, if you remember, uh, Jack Offlet came to, in front of us with this concept that Foxborough Cares be kind of a signatory emblem throughout town for anything that good can come through that. There was a high school student, Lindsay Cunniff, that came up with a logo. And that was a few years ago, and it just kind of sat. So we've grabbed that, and that's going to be our emblem. Uh, we've got a website set up. We, we're already um, kind of running pretty fast with the different organizations. We're hoping, uh, I think at your peak, you had about 12, 1,300 members. Yeah. Um, right after the, the, boss, the marathon bombing, it peaked. We're, we're trying to uh, get 1,000 runners um, into the program. We're running it identical. It's going to be June 2nd on Saturday after Memorial Day and before Founders Day. So we're going to grab that spot uh, just like that uh, Foxborough Against Diabetes did. Um, and the running groups from the elementary schools still get the benefit of um, you sign up in, in one flat rate. It's a few hundred dollars and as many runners as we can. So um, all about community and we're hoping that we can get the word out there's, there's some um, some decent interest in it and you can continue for another 15, 17 years. So in front of you there's an application that was signed off by the police chief, the DPW director. It's got the um, police detail plan and uh, all the insurance numbers in there. Great. So motion's been made. It's been seconded. <coughs> Had the further discussion. All those in favor? All right. Aye. Thank you. Good luck, Jim. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. Yeah, a little bit after 10 past 7, uh, 705, possible action, dog hearing appeal, Mark and Lisa Brennan versus Town of Foxborough. Um, so, So I'll, I'll try and uh, address this issue. I, I actually have Sue to be here just more as a resource more than anything here. Um, the action that the board took two weeks ago relative to the uh, Mark and Lisa Brennan dog matter um, in which the, their dog, um, uh, Lacey, was, was actually um, – the action take, was taken by this board to, um, to uh, euthanize the dog – and um, they, the, the family had a, a period of about, uh, had an appeal period, which they exercised, and then have, has no, put us on notice effectively as of Monday this past week, meaning yesterday. So um, it wasn't on the agenda initially, but it was amended uh, yesterday to include this, uh, which is allowed for under the statute. And um, 
so the only action that's before you, the board is that, and this is I think explained to you by town council at the last meeting that uh, appropriate action if, if in fact they do appeal that the dog be uh, that the that the board place an empowerment order uh, pending the, pending the appeal process, and um, so that's the action that that we're requesting at this time before the board. Any questions, for Sue? So what is the process of so we? Vote to allow you to, to do this. Right. So what it is? Yeah, they, you're, you're the, since you're the, uh, the the dog dog hearings and are actually held by the board of selectmen, you're the authorizing board to do this. So therefore, the action before the board would be to the, the request before the board is to impound the dog pending the outcome of the uh, of the appeal process. How long will the appeal process take typically? We've done this once. I think it was in the neighborhood of four months. And who pays the the owners of the dog pays the fees to have the dog impounded? Yes, if if if, if, um, if the order is upheld, the owner pays. Um, if if not, then it's on the town. However, we have a we pay a flat rate to Mansfield to use the shelter. So by when you say the, if the order is upheld, so they can appeal. Our decision again to impound the dog. Well, they, well, no, what's happened is now is that the <clears throat> the the action before the court is to overturn the, the euthanize decision, and so um, what effectively mean it would overturn the board's action. Okay, and then it would turn the dog to the to the owners. Um, it, so it's difficult to say how how the order will come out pending that action. But um, if in fact the dog gets returned to the owners, then um, as potentially the town could be. Uh, on the hook for the for that cost, but as, as Sue points out, we actually play a fat play, pay a flat fee for the use of that facility. Okay. Um, if, if the dog, if, if the town loses uh, the court case and the, and the dog is returned to the owner, right now you have an order that to be is to be muzzled and leashed at all times. What happens to that order? Is that, that still order is ex uh, probably expired? I, it's, I can only issue it for fourteen days. And then it expires. Okay, so so if the dog is returned to the owner, then nothing can be done if and until the dog does something else. I'm not sure if the if the judge does not uphold uphold the town's order. Do they do they issue their own order? Well, it, it's difficult to say because the the court could actually come up, come up with a different alternative. Or it could be remanded back to the town for further consideration. So it's difficult to say um, until the order is actually until action is actually taken by the court. Um, but um, so we're not in a position to really say what the what the action might be at this point. Well, we have our own attorney at the time. We would. I would think we would. Uh, it's. It's. This doesn't happen very often, quite honestly. So um, I think that the board's uh, action should be defended. And, and so, we, and we've already advised town council uh, of the of the pending action and, and alerted her to the uh, to the case. So that the attorney would be um, prepared to ask the yes. court to reinstate the Muslim leashing. Well, we, that action would still have to probably come back to this board, I would think. Um, or and, uh, being remanded to the board would mean that you would have to come up with a different alternative in terms of action, uh, because obviously the, the the court thought that action, the action that you took, would be inappropriate. Or the, or the measure for the measure taken, if that comes to that situation, but um, 
I don't believe that the court can actually impose its own will on the situation. That's really the board's decision. So where's the dog now? Is that the home? And who's going to go to the home and retrieve the dog? Mm-hmm. With, with, with an escort. With an escort. With an escort. No, we wouldn't send it by ourselves. And if we vote yes, that would happen tomorrow, or do you have to give them notice? However long the court process takes to get it. <clears throat> I guess what he's, how, how soon would that happen? That could happen. So if we voted yes tonight, would you go I think we'd tomorrow? probably do it tomorrow, only just when we want to make sure we have the proper notice and documents prepared. To impound the dog. Right. There is some court process, correct? Well, no. What what happens is that the you know, the board actually creates its order, and then uh, we would we would then advise town council, and they would submit it to the court, and then they would uh, they would have that order in place, which means that the board then the board could uh, then the dog, uh, animal control officer would would uh, retrieve the dog at that point. I don't know if there's, a, there's a, an appeal of that process. That that I don't know. I think the, the, the it was the the will of the board, at least at the last discussion, that the, obviously safety was the biggest concern here, and that was uh, that's what we're trying to uh, prevail upon the situation at this point. Any questions? Um, a motion. Yep. Move to impound Mark and Lisa Brennan's dog, Lacey, pending outcome uh, of the appeal. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Uh, just under discussion. Are we making a motion to uh, impound the dog? Because that's under the bylaw. Are we making a motion to authorize them to defend it in court? Well, we would do that anyway. <coughs> um, I, I think that the... <coughs> Because because the board took the action that it did, we would if if they took action to appeal it, then we would automatically defend it anyways. Um, I thought the way that our bylaw is written, that if it's an appeal, then it's already spelled out about the dog without our action. I, I could be wrong, but I, I know well, the, the only the only issue, on yeah, yeah, the only the only issue really is the impounding because there was no action taken by the board at the last meeting to do that. Okay, okay. So that's that's all. We're just clarifying that point. Okay, thank you. Uh, motion <clears throat> made, seconded. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> um, Seven nineteen. Mr. Craig, uh, Foxborough Cultural Council. Jared Craig. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the co-chair of the Foxborough Cultural Council. And um, just before I nominate my friend Neil, I want to thank those of you who could make it to our uh, grantee reception at the Marilyn Rodman Performing Arts Center um, last weekend. Uh, it was a great success. We were just happy to have uh, board members and members of the community in attendance. So thank you. Um, and now I'm here to nominate uh, my good friend uh, Neil for Rodriguez. Um, she is uh, an active uh, mother in the town on the board of the Moms Club, and uh, I think she'll bring a great energy and uh, excitement to the Cultural Council, and I'm going to let her speak for herself. Hi. 
Uh, I'm Nilfa Rodericks. I've lived in Foxborough since 2004, so it's been a long time. Um, love the new town hall. It's great. <laughs> it's come a long way. Almost got lost. I'm like, which building do I go to? <laughs> uh, so I'm currently vice president on the Moms Club. Uh, I've been treasurer there for the last two years now. Um, also troop leader for the Girl Scouts. For the Daisy Troop for my daughter, so I'll be looking for anybody looking for cookies. Um, I, I see the uh, Foxborough Cultural Council as a wonderful opportunity just to bring arts and science and humanities um, to everyday lives in the Foxborough community, and I look forward to working with them and developing some programs to enrich the community. Oh, yeah. Questions from the board? No. Yes. Neil brought a nice group of kids to the um, the um, talent show, and it was very successful. Nice group. Yeah, I, I think I think it's great how how the uh, the council has grown, uh, particularly after you know, really in the last three or four years. Something that has to do with you, I think. But, <laughs> um, but um, it was a was a, a really nice event. Um, last weekend or two weekends ago. Um, you guys are doing a lot of good things. And I, I said at the at the meeting, there's no committee in town that does more with less. So uh, keep up the good work. Thanks so much. Great group. Yeah. Um, a motion? Uh, move to approve the appointment of uh, Nilo Rodriguez to the Foxborough Cultural Council for a term starting 4-3-18 and expiring 4-3-23. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? See none. All those in favor? Aye. Thank you. Thank Good you. Luck. Good luck. Good luck. Seven twenty. Bill Yukna, Article Six, High School Track and Stands. By way, way of introduction, Mr. Chairman, this was an, an article that's on the um, on the on the warrant for consideration at the annual town meeting. Um, the board had requested at the last meeting that they'd like to see a presentation on this particular item. This is uh, an article uh, which is, is separate uh, is a separate article uh, by virtue of the fact that there was discussion this past year about uh, items that require um, uh, actually this one's actually in excess of a million dollars. So. Um, so that would be consistent with what has been discussed in the past year. Second of which, um, it's one that's been discussed It's on several different occasions, and so it's one that um, I think uh, re requires ex explanation and uh, information for the public to understand and for the board, of course, to, to understand before you take action on it. So I turn to Mr. Mr. Yuba and Amy Burdos, the superintendent of schools. So by way of explanation, we wanted to go back and look over the course of the last five years and what has taken place in regards to the athletic complex at the high school. And in 2013, that was really kind of the beginning of three phases of what's taken place to where we are today. And during that first phase in 2013, that was the beginning of this project where we had the funds from the high school renovation project, as well as from fundraising and donations and from the NFL grant that took place in order to begin 
that the Turfs Up Foundation and to be able to have our field of where it is today. As part of that phase in 2014 in the spring, the baseball and softball fields, the development took place again with funding from the renovation project, and we were able to have the field in place as well as the baseball and softball fields. The installation of the scoreboard um, went up at that time as well, thanks to a donation from the Spinney family. And then phase two began in the summer of 2014. At that time, the electrical substation, as well as the installation of transformer and power panels were put in place, and the installation of the um, Sam Burns Memorial Garden and the flagpole took place in the fall of 2015. Throughout those um, first two phases, the, the last part of that second phase was the lighting that took place, thanks to um, Musco lighting and island lighting and having really a, a much reduced um, cost in order to have that installation to be able to light the field, which then made it to where it was accessible for much longer than the school day and to be able to be used by many different, um, through, through recreation, through, through other um, rentals, to be able to use the field because if, it, if you don't have lights, you're not going to be able to really use the field um, to the extent that it needs to be used in order to continue to, to maintain that. So the third phase is the concession stand in the bathrooms. That is to take place um, soon. But at the same time, we're looking towards the track to go around that with the construction because to take the concession stand and to put that as far as the construction forward without being able to complete the project, it's going to be more costly, and it also prohibits us from being able to do many different things that will end up making a difference as far as taking funds to replace the field when the time comes. The field can last 10 to 15 years, and in order to replace that when the time comes, we need to be able to have the revenue to do that. But more importantly, really is what we've talked about for a number of years now is the safety of our students. And it is a community field. And to be able to have our students stay at the high school and to be able to stay in one place and not travel to the Hearn as they currently do um, brings a lot of things into play here. Busing students over to the Ahern is a, is a, is a safety issue. Um, it also doesn't allow our students to be able to go right out of the high school onto a field which is part of their high school experience. They're going over to the middle school while the middle school is still in session during the day. Um, I'm hoping that you'll hear from, from some of our um, parents that are here to hear the other issues that can arise from that as well that have to do with safety concerns. But another piece that I want to bring up is you can't put a price tag on safety, just as you can't also put a price tag on when we think about the social and emotional well-being of our students. And there is something to be said to be able to go out of your school and to stay at your school and to be there for your peers, whether you're participating in any of lacrosse or football or track or any of the sports that take place there, to be able to have a place that you're able to be with your peers that is a connection for students, and it may be the only connection that some students have. They might not be participating in sports, but they're there with friends to be able to cheer on others or just have a place that's a safe place to go and to be part of a greater community. 
So it is an athletic complex for many different sports, but it's also a community field and used by our community members. And to be able to complete that project where we're five years into this is something that's for our families and for our community. And we feel that we should be able to have the community speak to that. Um, so I'll take it a little bit further. Um, this obviously was brought to the school committee in, in 2012 um, by the Turf Subcommittee. And actually, this was the original um, drawing that came out after it was finalized as to where the turf field would be. Um, there had been a number of, of locations that the turf field might have been. Uh, but, but again, because we were using the renovation money from the high school, uh, it had to go into a field that we were renovating. So it was put into the front area uh, where the baseball fields had been. Um, but it had always been shown with the track and with the, the bleachers uh, as a concept on it. Uh, as Amy just spoke to uh, the issue um, to date, and I'm a rougher drawing. I'm not a rougher drawing. <coughs> um, what has been done is obviously the field went in first. Uh, the Sam Burns uh, Memorial Area, which is, uh, serves also as the flying um, you know, stand area for the field uh, with the um, actual uh, scoreboard right here. This is roughly uh, the location of where the concession stand and bathrooms will go, um, and we will obviously redirect, and this will be the main entrance into this field at that point in time. Um, the track is in the pink, um, and also then the grandstands would be on this side. And obviously the issue here is it is a site that's relatively tight and wanting the ability to be putting the track in at the same time we're doing the concession so that we have you know, really worked out the landscape of it and make sure that we don't misstep anywhere uh, as far as how that actually goes um, and that it actually works the best with the, the site itself. So not only would we take advantage of the uh, site work contractors that we employ to do this uh, for the track, we'd also use the same site work people to do the work around the concession stand itself. So this is kind of the, the, the plan as it stands today. And as Amy said, we're uh, multiple steps through this. In the original presentation that was done um, to the town, um, there was an actual handout, which I have a copy of, which obviously had the warrant article um, that was originally drafted. Um, it had a second page, which broke down phase, we only call it phase one and phase two. Uh, phase two uh, spoke to the track and the uh, bleachers uh, and improvements that way. Uh, had the, the concession stand and the, and the bathrooms in there. So we've kind of juxtaposed some of the, um, the different phases, but um, and ironically back then we were looking at this project being about a $3.5 million project to the town overall once we were completed. Um, we have spent just about $2 million, well, with the concession stand, we'll have spent just about $2 million, uh, and 461000 of that was either through donations or in-kind um, you know, uh, funds that we're, we're giving through the project. So, you know, I think we've done fairly well as far as what you can do on a, a fundraising point of view. Um, and we're looking at 1.1 million, which would bring to a total of 3.1. But that includes also totally rebuilding the baseball, softball uh, complex in the back. Um, when you look at something like Attleboro, which uh, completed its process, which was about $3.5 million, uh, similar concession stands, bathrooms, nice grandstand uh, area, you know, track and so on. Um, if you take out just the, the baseball area and stuff like that, we're down to about a 2.5, donated about 40, 460. We're down to about $2 million that the town is being asked uh, to participate in as compared to, you know, what it's cost other communities to do. So I think, again, I think we've been fairly fru you know, frugal on the process on how we get here. 
Um, but, you know, it's, it's either one of these, uh, I guess the, the question really comes down to five years into this, is this something that the town is, is willing to do or not? Um, because I don't know, you know, how long you want to wait, how far you want to push this. We've talked about the potential renewable. Um, we've only brought in about 6,200 because we really can't rent it to people who want, you know, the full facilities and, and, and things that go along with what we're proposing here. Um, and, but we have rented two smaller groups that you know could use it just for a turf field type of thing. Um, that particular uh, account is solely for the replacement uh, of the rug when it has to be taken out. Um, so again, the more we can put in that uh, over the next five to ten years, the less that that would cost the town to replace that uh, turf field. So uh, I would say to this point, anything we can do to advance that fund as well will also be something that we'll be have a return to it at least. Um, but obviously, we've lost five years in the process now as far as how much we can raise towards it. Um, I think that's kind of our spiel. It has been for five years now. Um, but I do believe there are a few people else that would like to speak to you as well about this. Anybody like to speak? Come up. Yep. Yep. There. Come up. State your name. <coughs> You guys will stay over here. <laughs> I, um, I'm, uh, I'm Joe Cusack. I'm a Foxborough resident. I have uh, three kids at the high school, uh, and I also coach cross country, indoor and outdoor track. Um, so I'm pretty involved from pretty much every angle with uh, with this process. Um, I was at the advisory committee meeting last week, and I mentioned I started getting to the other, the other safety concerns about uh, you know having a track at the Earn, which um, you know is. I believe has been there since the high school was over there. Um, so it made a lot of sense at the time. Um, you know, we do have a shuttle, to be fair, that takes kids from the uh, from the high school to VR because of what it has to leave, because of where it fits in the bus schedule, it leaves at 210. So any kids that have to stay after school will run a little late. You know, we get five to 10 kids on that shuttle every day. We have 120 kids on the track team right now, boys and girls combined. Um, in past years, we've had as many as 150, uh, which is a huge percentage of the uh, the overall school population. So those kids have to get from, you know, the high school mile and a half, two miles across town, which they do on foot, they run it, they walk it, they hop in on the kids' cars, you know, however they get there, they get there. Um, when they get there, today's a great example. We had practice over there today. It was 38 degrees in rain. Uh, I rolled up in my car. There were 85 kids standing on the track in 38 degree weather in the rain. There's no shelter over there. You can hide under the bleachers, but it drips the roof. There's no perfect way to stay out of it. Um, this year, the middle school did agree to allow us access to the, the bathrooms near the gym. I'm sure you're familiar with the school. Um, so we can get in to get you know water out of a water fountain or use a bathroom. Until this year, there's, there's no running water at the facility. There's no bathrooms. We were using the soccer bathrooms that they put out for their games, um, you know, when they're convenient. So the kids are totally exposed, whether it's a day like today, uh, or 95 degrees. Um, you know, we do have trainers at the meets when we have you know, competitions over there. Every day of practice, we're two miles from the trainer. Um, you know, we are CPR and AED certified. We do carry AEDs and med kits. We're not doctors. Um, in the five years I've been here, we haven't had anything happen. Um, one of the gentlemen I coach with over there has been here longer and knows of the things that have happened over time. Our best bet if something goes wrong over there is to call 911. We, we can't call the trainer. The trainer's just probably far away than, than emergency is. So it really is truly, um, you know, I don't want to sit here and grandstand about 
you know, it's an, it's an immediate risk or anything, but we do have these risks every day. It's hundreds of kids doing dozen dozen events, um, five coaches, and we're scattered all over the place. Uh, it's just, it's, there's convenience of having the track at the high school, sure. Of course it would be more convenient. Of course it would be easier for the kids. But it's also a real concern that they can't, you know, if we get a lightning storm, they can't run inside. You know, they can't, they gotta get out of there. We had to wait today, one kid had to get picked up. We stood there for an hour and waited with this kid in the rain until his parents came. Because we can't leave the kid over there. If they're in the high school, they can go in, they have somewhere to go, they have somewhere to be, that they're where they are all day. And because they're really their home. So, you know, from that standpoint, Forgetting the facilities or how old they are and all that stuff, I, I won't, you know, belabor that. Until I hear about it, I can talk about it. But um, you know, it really comes down to the kids. It's a massive population of kids relative to the high school. It's not. We're not talking about 20 kids. We're not talking about 30 kids. It's it's. That was a fifth. Am I doing my math right? Do the math right. About a fifth of the school does does spring track. About the same number does winter track. We wouldn't have to do a run on the turf, which is great, but it's we're running circles on the turf instead of running on a track. Um, other teams would be able to use it. You know, there's plenty of teams early in the season where the coach says, go out and run around the school two or three times and they take their lacrosse cleats or field hockey cleats and they go run on a road and cleats around the high school because they don't they can't throw sneakers out or run on the track. So, you know, there's a lot of benefits not just for, you know, the teams that I'm involved with, but uh, a lot of so thank thanks for Thank you. Anybody else? Any brave souls that want to bear their heart at the at the podium? I guess I'll come up here too. Um, I know many of you. My name is Rich Cormier. I'm not a resident of the town. I'm the athletic director of the high school, um, and really. More or less, my position is, is really reiterating uh, what both Amy and Bill have said, as well as uh, uh, Coach Cusack. Um, there's a number of safety issues, which I won't again uh, repeat. There's also some others that I think uh, Coach Cusack is being nice about, that if we are going to, to remain at the Ahern uh, for any amount of time um, for our track programs, there, there needs to be improvements. So there's going to be a certain financial investment uh, in terms of the safety of our, particularly our throwing events. Uh, which again, without getting into all the nitty gritty of the vectors and um, you know the, where the shot put is thrown versus the discus, uh, there are some real limitations there in safety. It's, it's not a great facility um, for track. Um, we also have some issues with our jumping pits and where the, they're located as well. Uh, pretty much the beginning of every single season, we're dealing with a swamp uh, over in that area. And our students really do not get access to those pits uh, for weeks and weeks. They still as we stand here. Now, this has been a unique weather situation, but they still do not have access to those pits, and they're still in the gym uh, trying to practice their jumps and we have a meet on Saturday. Um, so again, being at the high school and having that, that you know, accessibility right then and there is going to be a huge benefit to our students. Um, Coach also mentioned uh, other uh, programs. This, again, will be a huge benefit to really our entire athletic program, and just having um, you know, more of our student body engaged and involved in the events that are going on uh, after school. You know, we do have a track meet, which is, if you've ever been to one, they're very impressive. They're, they're pretty much just organized chaos, but they are very, very impressive in what's going on, and we very rarely have any students other than our participants watching these meets. Whereas if it was right here at the high school, it's going to increase that engagement level of our entire student body. You're going to have all the other student athletes that are already at the high school engaged in their practices also um, you know, having the opportunity to cheer on their, their fellow classmates. 
Um, in the winter, this would provide another avenue for us to use because as we saw in February, it was 70 degrees. We're kind of hoping for some of that to come back. Um, but we'd be able to use this uh, track facility uh, for our indoor track team as well, not just our spring track team, as they'd be able to go out there and, and prepare uh, for their meets in the winter season as well. Um, and then the last point I just want to mention, and I know it's already been mentioned, but I can't stress enough in today's day and age with the medical uh, components. Um, we do our best. Uh, we do have events all over the, you know, all over the fields and facilities that we have the ability to use. Um, but not having a trainer there uh, is a huge uh, disadvantage to the track program, and it's a huge safety concern. Again, just like any in other emergency situation, we certainly can call 911 and our emergency responders. Um, but having that ability to have um, that personnel right there on our campus would be a huge benefit to our uh, students, to our coaches, uh, and just to the community in general. Um, so I think that would be a, you know, something that I would stress from my point of view as the athletic director that would sort of put me more at ease is having all of those students right there after school uh, with medical personnel available without having to transport them across town. Um, and I just think it would be a better experience for everyone involved. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Hmm? Uh, questions from the board? Uh, you, know, you brought up a good point about, um, you know, I'm taking a look at the, uh, the chair, sorry. Uh, Bill, where would the um, uh, throwing events, and, or coach, I don't know, uh, be either the, the, on, on the schematic there? Either they the throwing be, events or the pits? They'd be behind the tennis courts, which are to this side. Um, that's why we left that large field open to choose now as, as our, one of our practice fields, but it would be the area that we would have to discuss in the uh, Joplin uh, area because it is a wide open area that we can control. Um, it does, it, it's backed out effectively would be the uh, tennis courts, which have a nice both for iPhones. Uh, question, <clears throat> you had mentioned um, by doing this be able to increase the rental, so what could you get in here after this is done um, that you couldn't do now with the turf and the lights? Any kind of a tournament or um, activity for track, which requires most track uh, meets require an eight-lane track. Um, the urn is a six-lane track. Uh, it's one of the reasons we can't even host any uh, of those type of competitions because it's not, uh, you know, in my safe sanction, they would effectively want a, a, an eight. So this is an eight-lane track, um, so we can do the summertime track. Um, you know, uh, tournament things that they do where they bring in groups from all over um, to do that. We also could do, um, you know, leagues um, that are doing, um, you know, the full um, thing as well where they have, you know, a number of groups there at the same time playing in multiple tournament uh, play. Um, the, the, the issue along that one really is having, obviously, places for, you know, people to sit and wait while you're waiting for your next event and um, take over an area. Um, so, so are these, like, MIAA Tournaments like the the Some soccer of those or tournaments that are done. A lot of the AAU uh, groups um, have uh, you know regular tournament things that they're looking for for locations to play in. Um, but you know again, I know. Some districts or sometimes have done that and pursued it. I really can't pursue it at this point because I just don't have the facility to go after. So are they those other ones other than the MIA stuff? Are they looking for the to use the field and have stands or? They're looking for the track, and some they're not going to use the field. Stands. Some are looking for the track and, and, and stands. Um, very few are looking for both because they're obviously not uh, compatible sports that way at the same time. 
Okay. Um, if, if this is built and you're able to um, rent out the space for, like you said, tournaments and everything, the money that you would receive from the rental, would that, where would that be? Would that be Again, there we, uh, when we started this whole thing, we set up a separate revolving account. Um, and all that money goes into that account. So we don't, it's not used for anything else. Um, so that's where it would go, which, you know, would be its only purpose for that revolving account is effectively the turf replacement. Uh, I guess I suppose the town can choose to use it for something else, but. Okay, and I asked last year when, when this was brought up at, at CIP, I was representing last year. Um, I asked about fundraising, and I did not, when I asked it, I didn't expect anyone to fundraise selling cookies, think, for one point whatever million dollars. But I did have a question on um, have, why haven't you solicited any funds? Because I, I was told you weren't going to ask anybody to raise funds to contribute to this. Well, that's, that's, what I was, that's what I was told. Um, so my question is, why didn't you send out letters? I mean, you've, you've had uh, uh, the Spinney family donated something. You know, you've had lights donated. You have, you know. But even just, and I'm not saying donate one, uh, you know, raise $1.5 million. I'm not saying that. But I think when you solicit funds and people show interest, I think it makes it a lot easier for town meeting to go along with this project because interest is shown. And it's not just taxpayer money going to going to this effort. It's it's there's actually uh, a want and a need and a, and a feeling that this is a good project when you when you can solicit funds. And that was my question last year, and it's my question again this year. Why didn't you you know solicit funds? And, and like I said, not for the 1.5 million, but even if you got 10,000, 15,000, that would that would show that there was some interest. Well, and I'm only going to speak for myself. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not a professional fundraiser. My job is not to be a fundraiser. My job is to run the financial part of the, the school district. Mm -hmm. um, and I happen to do a few other volunteer things for the town as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if a group wanted to get together that, that was going to do that, one group did. They tried very hard. I thought they did a very good job. They raised $60,000. They turned it over, and, and, and we moved on. Um, my personal opinion is we ask taxpayers and businesses in this town <coughs> to donate to everything, which in no, is no different than a tax in, in, in a different way, but you're just asking fewer people to do it. So I think the town got behind this project. I, I appreciate what you're saying, Jenny, as far as you know, people having ownership because then they take more responsibility to it. I think that was done at the very beginning of this project. I think it's been done in every phase that we've tried to go through here. Um, as far as getting, I mean, the lighting thing was quite honestly was phenomenal. It was a three hundred thousand dollar cost that the town paid one hundred sixty five thousand for. Um, you know, Sam Burns' parents were, were very gracious by getting um, his roommate basically to help uh, and give us the lights at cost. Mm -hmm. And then the the company out of Norfolk that actually does all their installations up in the New England area mm -hmm. donated the entire thing, and I mean including concrete mm -hmm. and everything, uh, to do the installation. So. You know, we've been trying to get what we can as we go, and and and, and people, and I'll, I'll name a few, so like people like uh, Chris McNamara for CMAC and stuff like that. They always are are stepping up when we get into a project and donating their own services to us. But it's kind of like we have to show them what our next step is to see what you know what other things they can help help us with and do for us. But I guess I personally, as as a taxpayer in town, feel that 
if this is a community field which has tremendous use during um, this, the summer and the spring and the fall with the youth sports especially, um, it, it doesn't belong to just one group. It belongs to everybody. And I really, I, I guess after a while, and, and we're all, we've all gotten hit up for, for the donations for everything that happens in town here, so that's constant. Um, but I really think that it should be a shared thing and it should be an equally shared thing. It's either we all agree that this is a great process uh, of a way to think something to do. You know, we're not talking about a, you know, $50,000 or a $60,000 item, which I would agree wholeheartedly with you um, as far as when you start to get into a $3 million, you know, um, proposition here, the fact that the fundraising was what kicked this whole thing off and, and brought in, as I said, 461000 The first group brought in 260000 to get it going, and that's what got people motivated and pushed forward with it. So, I, I mean, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but I, I, as, a, as a taxpayer on the other side, I, I just feel like you're taxing me one way or the other. And, and if we're all going to do it, let's do it together. I mean, another thing, Senator Feeney had put money in, in the Senate budget. Jay, do you know, have any idea what... No, I know he put it in the Senate budget, but you didn't put it in the. Yeah, in we, haven't, we haven't seen it at this right. point. And it's more of a bonding bill, and we don't know. We can't see a few things, other things done yet, so I didn't even know. Okay, okay. Say, say it happens. Okay. What would be the. Uh, say, we, say we got money. Maybe not all of it, but. I would say we got all the same amount of money that, that you're asking. What what would happen in that case? Run it back to town meeting and um, return uh, what, what wasn't needed out of the funding this proposed year back to the coffers. Similar to what we've done with the okay. annuals received when we something came in lower than coffers. Okay, but you wouldn't use it for you wouldn't use the the funds appropriated by town meeting for something else, it would have oh, to go you, back. You, it was you, you couldn't, the article you couldn't do that. Okay. It was very specific. Right. We can all pray that the Senate bill goes through. <laughs> <laughs> it would be more than a prayer, I think. Okay. Uh, for me, um, we did, I've done the, the shuttle into the Ahern for the track thing. All the baseball fields were, were being replaced. We shuttled to Payson. Um, didn't, been there, done that. Um, my only concern, by the way, this has been a long time coming. Um, I have a concern because I've seen it in action when the softball team, the baseball team are playing and the parking out back. Um, when you have all those kids and all those events coming in, you have one way into the high school. Any thoughts about creating a, a second means of egress? Because um, I, I know there have been there's been injuries uh, on the baseball field, and the cars lined up on both sides of that fire line. You can't get an ambulance through. Yeah, I, 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 well, I think there's a couple issues here. First of all, the high school has uh, just around 500 parking spaces. It's the Ahern has uh, in the low to mid threes, um, and so we obviously know when we do a major uh, game at the Ahern. Um, that we're, we're packing that. So we actually have more parking sitting at the high school property. We bring in in a half hour twice a, and, and go out twice a day those 500 cars. So the, the site's able to handle this, and there's very few events that we would have 500 cars at. Um, 
I think we are looking at other uh, things to, to try to manage through our own budget, and you know, the back parking is one of those um, to fix that and correct it. Um, I think when it was done, and uh, obviously we didn't have the funding to pave it and go through the process, but what we were trying to do is get the base in there and get it well compacted. Well, it's it's good, you know, and it's good shape now. So uh, it is on one of the school's priority lists as far as if, if it has any funds available uh, at the end of the year to look at um, to, to do that, which I think would help. Uh, we also bought signs to make it so parking can only be on one side of that back uh, road, which is really, uh, if you notice, <laughs> there's a yellow line that's kind of faded at this point, but it's a fire line that <laughs> they're not supposed to be on the other side, too. Um, so, I, you know, again, we're going to take some of those preventive things. The We talked about and, and have uh, strategized at different times. There is a, um, a side lot that comes in off of Carpenter Street that is the walkway, the path right now. Um, and, you know, I think in the future um, it would probably be wise to look at that to be a, um, a gated um, emergency exit, uh, exit entrance and, you know, only type of thing so that if an ambulance or something needed to get in and there was a pressurized situation, uh, they could do it um, and get through. But um, and, and the town does own that property. So that is something that is, is feasible. Obviously, if we paved it, it would be a nice walker, better walkway than the kids have currently uh, walking in and out of there. But again, I would say gated so that it's, it's locked off and it's not regular traffic to Carpenter Street uh, to, to interfere with the neighborhood uh, that way. And, uh, you know, again, I would I would perceive that the, the fire department and police department would look at that as a positive, uh, you know, whether the full camp is completed. And, and the uh, other question is, is this it for the build-out of the, of the campus? Is there is there another phase? Is there anything else that we, think, we should be looking at? Well, I think the only other thing that's been um, discussed for logical reasons is the potential locker room. Um, you know, for uh, the football team, all right, which is currently, as you know, in the basement of the IGO. Um, not a great situation for the IGO school itself. Um, but the kind of the beauty of it is we, when we did do the renovations at the high school, we actually doubled the size of the locker rooms on the girls' side. Um, so that does give us a capability for a away team, you know, meeting area. Um, our current locker room, although not ideal, can handle, um, you know, for game times. Um, what I would say, my personal opinion, and probably more from the building committee side of things, is that uh, the building is perfectly structured to put just a block addition off of the current locker rooms. Um, the space is there. Um, but again, I don't, you know, I have no idea when that would be. That would really be kind of something that's pushed by the, the community again as, as far as an issue they see. Um, what we do currently is we use the Ahern's gym uh, or uh, locker rooms, which are developed and built strictly for a middle school. They were never built for a football team. So, you know, we do have, obviously, we, we, we can make things work. Um, I think the, the first step is obviously to, to make the, the overall premises a better premises. Well, if you don't, right, you plan on renting the facility out for, for tournaments, and that money is de de designated uh, to rehab the, the turf field down the road. What happens if, if uh, you don't get those rentals? What is your plan for raising money? Because you, you, you might want to think about a plan B just in case you don't get, you don't get rentals or you don't get as many rentals as you would like. Because you, you, talked about, you talked about Attleboro has it. Well, I'm sure Attleboro is renting out their facilities. Some towns don't. Some towns prefer not to do it just because they don't want the wear and tear on the facility. Well, and that's that's another. So you no longer life on it. That's, so, and that's another question: Is it guaranteed that you will be renting out there? Well, I think 
I think our opinion, we, we have, every time someone's come to us, we have, uh, you know, rented it if, if all of the things are there. I mean, we, we rent our buildings uh, and try to generate to the town as much as we can there. Um, just like recreation rents everything that we breathe. So, I mean, that's how the town has been built. Um, we do it in a very controlled environment, though, where we're the ones who have our staff there to maintain and ma manage uh, facilities. Um, and that's the only way I would do it because, again, this is a very expensive uh, facility that you don't want to get destroyed. Um, so if we couldn't guarantee that we could do that, then I, would, I definitely wouldn't want to rent it because I, I wouldn't want to be responsible for the fact that it could get you know, ruined in some way. Um, these are very hardy fields. I mean, they're not, you know, it's not a, a carpet that someone's going to take a razor. And I don't think they could reach the carpet. They'd have to get through so much sand and rubber. So, um, but, you know, again, they do have lice, just like everything, and, right. and they're going to wear it. Um, but we do as best we can to even just maintain the wear on it. So I mean, but, but you're selling this as this will, the, the money that comes from you'll be able to rent it out, the money that will be able to go to the field. I don't want in like 10, 15 years come to town meeting we need well, I, I didn't we say the right refurbish the. Right at the beginning of this, I didn't say that we could guarantee that we would raise enough money. I said we would, we would, everything we raised would go towards mitigating the price of it. If this was done five years ago and you had 15 years, you had a pretty good shot of getting to that point. You're talking the, the typical replacement on the rug itself is about five hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, but every day and every year we go by the. All I'm going to be able to do at this point is have some funds to mitigate the cost of the town, um, you know, of, of replacing it. And when it gets to that point where it has to be replaced, again, every community organization uses that turf field. I'm assuming there'll be a pretty good, strong support for what they want to do with it, um, you know, as far as replacing it. But um, I'm, I, I, I am by no means guaranteeing well, that there's going to be enough money to replace it. If you said it. the other the other organizations also use the field, do they do they? Uh, donate to the field for uh, maintenance? I, mean, I remember correctly. No, no, the schools take care of all the maintenance. We, we said we would do that from day one, um, which is the same thing we do with the tracks and everything else like that. That's in our budget to maintain and, and control. Our staff is the ones that are out there responsible for, for making sure things are done. DPW does help us, obviously, with trash and, and things of that nature. But as far as the overall scope of maintenance on any facility that the school uses, we maintain the town side just gets to you know has has the time to use it as well, so it's that's totally on the on the schools to to control. Couple thoughts. Um, thank you. A very fair presentation. That was uh, insightful. Um, so so I look at it as positives and minuses in my mind. So the. When we were putting it in years ago, I think the concern was, is it going to be used? Is it going to be maintained? And, and i got to say, um, it's, it's been used quite a bit, and it's been maintained impeccable. Um, hats off to um, Kevin Corliss, who treats it like his, his own yard. Um, Pretty sure it is. Hmm? <laughs> Pretty sure it is. <laughs> um, so it's, it's interesting. I went to the high school um, sports presentation that broke up in rooms. A lot of families that are using it now don't remember the history of it, but they're, but they're quick to say, why wasn't it plowed off sooner? You know, so it, it's certainly being used. Some of these things that we're talking about now probably happened in the 70s on that argument when they built the track there and not doing it at the high school. Because um, when we were doing this, in order to get to town meeting, we looked through Dick Heidecker and all the information. There was a debate back then, the merits of that versus this. So what I'm concerned about, if we don't do it now, in 20 years, I'm going to say, how could they have not done this when it was there? 
the economics, uh, certainly you've got incredible bang for your buck with the donations and the in-kind services, second to none that I've seen in, in, in my profession on this. Um, I would like to see more of community input on it a little bit. I don't see football here, I'll be honest with you. Um, the traffic management plan and the lockers and all that stuff, it would be nice to have that as part of the presentation if it goes to town meeting. Um, a lot of hard work went into this and not just from the turfs up, from the school committee and from the finance department. And I went back for the, uh, to the warrant article to get this in back in warrant article number six. And we had the NFL grant, the fundraising, the, the soft up. That, that was about 420. Throw on the scoreboard, it was about 450 of donations. But the school department revolving fund, the um, bond uh, balance that was there, and kind of the creativeness of, you know, the, and, and the appropriateness of the overlaid surplus all went in to make it work. At no time did we say, we're not going to come back to the town, but we did master plan it so this day would come. And it seems like yesterday, and it's been five years. I would like to see it go to town meeting um, for a number of reasons. I think it will get used. Um, I don't think you're going to raise money to replace it just from the, the fees. I don't see many towns doing that. When people ask me how long the turf feels last, it could be 20 years or it could be two years. We put them in in Boston, and it gets, you know, kids drive on it, and it, they don't last. So Foxborough has done a great job maintaining it. Um, I would like to see a little more effort from the sports groups to support this when the turf up went up. It was a focus group. It was the the only ambition they had was turf field because the, there's just, right, even if you go out now, there's no fields open, so they just needed a place to go. You could put another turf field and that still would get used. Um, so the, the master plan effort does make it a community centerpiece that you could park at the Igo, you could park at the St. Mary's and the booth and this, and it, it could work. I think what bothers me a little bit is if you look at our budget last year, and this is maybe it's a little personal, but I had asked for recognition that, you know, can we cut 500, uh, one and a quarter percent, and everyone says, no, we can't do it. This year, not publicized very well, but we've got an extra million dollars coming in that we didn't expect, and this is a million dollars. So big picture, just because it comes in and we spend it, which is okay. That's you know, it's up to the townspeople if they want to do. But I would like to see a little more effort from the sports groups that say we want to contribute to this somehow. When that effort was over four hundred thousand last year, and it's just lacking this year, it, it's it, it's it's a little it makes you want to look at what other groups, the seniors or whatever, could use that money if they were asked, would they fundraise? I just don't see the school doing it. And it, yes, you can't make a million dollars overnight. But you can come up with twenty thousand or thirty thousand, and I heard it at the adcom meeting that, you know, either you you donate it or it's a tax. It's the same thing. It's not the same thing. If you donate it, it's because you want to. If it's a tax, because you have to. So I'm looking at the people that will never use this because they don't have kids or they're seniors. It'd be just nice for the people that will use it to open up their pocketbooks a little bit. Um, but I would like to see it go to the town meeting because ultimately it's, you know, those are the people that are going to vote for it. Dave, piggybacking off of that, if I could a little bit, uh, maybe even Randy talking about how, how, how this $1.2 million would be 
financed, especially in light the, the few phone calls I got, and certainly Representative Barrows knows if you get a couple of phone calls, there's a heck of a lot more uh, uh, behind them, is with Burrell School looming very largely over our head, uh, coming to a head soon. You know, couldn't that $1.2 million be used uh, to put aside for that rainy day uh, for the Burrell School? But my question is, what, what, where was the thought for where what, that $1.2 million would come from? Uh, thank you for the question. Um, so the, the funding for, uh, for this project um, is free cash, or our fund balance, $1,150,000. Um, we're able to, to put that forward because of the year that we had last year in terms of um, overachieve on, uh, on stadium payment, not last, fiscal 17, overachieve on stadium payments, um, new growth taxes, um, you know, the town is, is, is booming commercially, and local receipts, um, the major categories. So uh, we had our best year ever in terms of um, you know, free cash certification, 8.3 million. So that's why we're putting forward Cash funding, we would never borrow for something of this um, of this size. Uh, it's just it's not a borrowing level. In terms of the borrow school, um, we've been highly focused on trying to uh, a minimize the amount that ultimately we'll need to borrow. Um, we've been uh, salting away, uh, as you know, funds into our capital stabilization account. Um, currently have uh, approximately 1.1 million there. Um, today, and there's a, a warrant article uh, for this, this year's town meeting to add another million dollars uh, to that to get us up to $2.1 million. And we've identified um, other, other funding areas, uh, overlay surplus, again, that we'll be looking to tap <coughs> this year. So ultimately, to bring forward um, close to, to buy down the amount that we might need to borrow. Uh, between somewhere of $3.3, $3.5 million, so that the amount that we would end up borrowing, um, our goal, and right now it, it looks doable, is to actually borrow for this school renovation um, with included debt, meaning not asking for a debt exclusion, um, just like we did for the town hall. So we're, we're working hard to make sure we can shoehorn in um, the debt service associated with, with that project, um, you know, into the budget without asking the taxpayers for, uh, you know, for, for an increase. And the, the, the equivalent of being able to do that is the equivalent of saving the taxpayers um, another 2.5% increase. The levy increases by 2.5%. If the borrow school uh, debt service were to be a debt exclusion, that would effectively add another two and a half percent. So by our doing that within the within the levy, in essence, we're looking to uh, to not have that that burden, uh, extra burden for the taxpayers. So I think your your point, Doc. This, this has been, you know, through Randy's help and through uh, the whole research thing, is it has been laid out in a way that we feel comfortable that we can achieve, you know, both the borough and this. Um, but again, I think it's, it's as uh, Jim said, I think it, it's interesting to see how the taxpayers basically will view this uh, themselves. And if, you know, if they truly are behind it, and it would take all the organizations that Jim mentioned uh, for the people to come out and say that they are, 
Um, then, you know, we've been very transparent on the, the borough project. Uh, the numbers have been yeah. out there. The, you know, the scope of the project, obviously the timing is a lot longer further out than we had hoped it would be, but that's just the process. Um, so I don't think there's any surprises coming at anybody at this point. Um, but, you know, it, it seems to me that this, you could, you can, you know, do a project like this, which would benefit the town for, for years to come. And the schools, obviously, we agree, would benefit us, you know, greatly. Um, or you could put it in a stabilization fund and, and do some other future project, you know, one way or the other. It's, it's which project is, you know, do you feel is the right place to go? Can I answer the chair? What was it you presented this Wednesday to the advisory committee? Mm -hmm. Yes. Bob, just general, was it well received or was it more questions than answers? Um, not a lot of questions, but I think, um, I will be honest with you, I think uh, when Joe got up and spoke to some of the issues, and, and, and I'll be the first one to say the, the issue on the trainer, I hadn't even thought of. I was thinking of every other issue that, that, that you know, we deal with on a daily basis. The issue on the what? The trainer. Oh, the um, trainer. Not being yeah. available to them and the safety concerns that they have with that. And, and you know, you could see it. Obviously, if a, if a child got hurt and needed immediate icing and stuff like that, well, you know, that's... that's the coincidentally, I did talk to, I saw Amy out at the turf field the other day, and she kind of mimic the same thing. She can't be in two places at no. once. I, and, and, and you've seen, we, we run multiple events on a, on a single day. It could be a, a softball field going, baseball field in the back. It might be something else, you know, tennis, you know, playing, whatever. <laughs> so she's running in, in 16 different directions, but at least she's at the site, which makes it, you know, a doable thing that she can get to. If someone calls her and says, we need you over at the tennis court, she can be there. So you can't do that two miles away. But So it was, it was pretty well received or? The advisor. Um, I I think it was. I they didn't vote. They're not voting until next week on it. Um, but I, I think a few people who said that they were against it after Joe spoke said that they he changed their mind on, on their thinking. But I, I don't know how to read a lot of people when they're sitting there. So thank you. Any other questions? There's no action that, that we need to take, right? No, and, and when we get to the point where you go through the warrant, um, you'll make your recommendations. Okay. Okay. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> 10 past 8. Um, motion to reopen town warrant to add article for sewer for a borough school project. They don't want to get away too quickly. Uh, so just uh, by way of introduction of this issue, the... I move it first? Wait a minute. Um, yeah. Should I move it first? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, move to reopen the town warrant to add article for sewer for Borough School Project. Second. Any second for the discussion? So, so just uh, for discussion purposes and, and to information of the board, this is a, a situation where the, the Borough School Project had uh, moved, has been moving right along in terms of design, and um, the termination was made that they, they thought it would best be, instead of rebuilding the existing septic system, it was better to go with the, with the sewer, uh, to connect to the sewer system, which is doable uh, based upon uh, input from our, from our water and sewer department. Uh, upon further review, however, it was later determined that, that the, uh, the, that the uh, borough school itself is not in the sewer district, uh, uh, to be, uh, is not included in the sewer district. So as such, they have... Uh, uh, Bill uh, came to me and said, "You know, it'd be nice if we could do that this year, this at this town meeting, because they're working on the final design plans, and they'd like to come to the town meeting in the fall with a, with a, with a, uh, a request to um, for appropriation for the project. So, um, and and all not only that, but they also need to, to meet the requirements of the SBA in terms of providing their information to them and, and indicate that the town is supportive 
of the various pieces of that, and this is an important piece of that project to uh, to be included. So uh, I have inquired a town meet a town town council whether this is appropriate to do that. It's your warrant. You have the ability to reopen the warrant, and um, and obviously it would be just for this article, and then cl- then reclose it. And so then it would then be uh, then that that would be submitted to uh, uh, to the adcon for consideration as well. Okay. Um, so the motion has been made. It's been seconded. We're still under discussion. Um, any questions from the board relative to this action? Is this relative to? Reopening the warrant? Yes. Oh, okay. I have a question about that. Yeah. No, I'm fine to reopen it, but I have questions. Okay. All, right. All those in favor of reopening? Thank you. Okay, so I'll start by apologizing. I, I started the process with the sewer thing probably six months ago, trying to get clearer information as to what we would need to do. As you know, at the last town meeting, we bought back from the Cannon Forge um, a significant volume of sewage um, that runs through the pipes that go down Moore Street. Um, the current cost, uh, you know, to us would be about forty-two dollars um, a gallon per day, and that is slated to go up uh, into the low fifties. And so, obviously, buying today would save us um, some money from down the road. Uh, it's um, it's something that would be important. Um, the MSBA really wants the um, the sewer um, septic, whatever you want to call it, um, resolved and worked out uh, because it's a big stumbling block, you know, um, as far as their whole process and going through this because they don't want you coming in with a great design only to find out that your septic system, you know, is not uh, up to the, the current code and you'd have to rebuild it and can you rebuild it on your site the way you need to. So the sewer is obviously the, the, the most practical way to go here. We have three buildings. Um, well, actually, the town right now, if you if you look at our process, we've been very you know, successful in getting most of our buildings on sewer. So the only, high, the only school that would be left off of sewer if we were capable of doing this would be the Taylor. Um, but the IGO, the, the high school, the middle school um, are all on sewer today. <coughs> this building is on sewer. Library is on sewer. Council on Aging is on sewer. Um, so the only other large one, obviously, is the joint public safety. So I think it's in the town's best interest to have its major facilities on the sewer line for long-term um, you know, use and, and um, the lack of you know, potential problems with those. It also is because in our design, uh, we are required to basically um, – bring whatever additional piping and flows we have into, you know, wherever we're going. So uh, the current pipes that are in the building we will be reusing, but we need to make, you know, add some additional larger ones, and they've got to go somewhere. So if I don't know where, what direction we're going, obviously I'm, I'm hand-stringing my um, engineers in which to, to actually design this plan and, and complete this and figure out our true costs on getting there. So uh, when I originally asked, you know, it was basically a matter of going to the sewer commissioners and asking for the the flow, number one, and and negotiating the price and paying for it, um, which I had no problem with doing, and I I did that. And it was at that meeting just recently that they said um, that they weren't sure if we were in the sewer district or not, but if we weren't, it was a simple article. Well, the problem was obviously the, the warrant. I had gotten the first part of my warrant out there with the with the CIP request to pay for it, but now I needed another article to basically say, you know, included in the district. And in the article, we the town has passed on on multiple sites, some for residential people, you know, if they had a, a, an issue within their own sites. So it's not a it's it's it you know it's a boilerplate article, um, and it just basically says that the flow will go. Our current uh, calculations are that we use about 1,900 gallons per day. 
uh, during the times that were open. And um, obviously, the improvement of the, the building itself, like uh, any of the buildings we do, all go to low-flow fixtures and, and water usage. So that should actually come down. But what we're requesting is to buy the 1,900 gallons today. Um, potentially, uh, we would swing some of it. If we have excess in the, in the future, we could swing that to the high school from the concession stand side of things. So, you know, or if we don't use it, it would just sell it back to the, the water sewer district. So it's, but at least we're preserving the rate today. We're locking it in. I can guarantee the engineers on how we're moving forward with the, the plan. And, you know, no matter what happens with the borough project long term, having it on sewer is the right thing, I think, for the community to do. So the, the sewer line runs down Moore Street, but right. the school itself yep. is not part of the district? No. The, so how does the district that out there is kind of spotty. It, it's in the Cannon Forge area was the, the preliminary or the, the, the major district that was developed, um, you know, for the sewer line. But if you actually look at it, you'll find little spots of, of areas, again, some that were residential that, that had failed systems that needed to be connected and stuff like that. Um, we have, you know, the downtown obviously has a, uh, a critical needs district, uh, which has been developed and, and, and put in place. But, um, you know, the community does have the right through warrant articles to basically include in the sewer district any area or parcel it wishes to do. So to connect the borough school, if it goes through to the district, it's basically just the, the pipes there. Just Right. So are any of those houses on Moore Street in this district? Um, not in the immediate area of the borough itself. So, in other words, the district is strictly going to be the borough school. You know, how the, how's the neighborhood going to take that if they have they have the same right if they have a failed system or stuff to come forward to the sewer commissioners and do the same thing and apply for a, a one-off tie-in. Right. Absolutely. That's the way it's done. I mean, just because we aren't a fully sewered town, I mean, you have to do it, you know, piece by piece. That's the process, really. Mm -hmm. Individually, mm -hmm. okay. Actually, we have a one-minute go for a house that wants to. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, to the chair. Yep. So, the, the cost of, um, of buying the flow is you say forty to fifty dollars. Forty-two to forty-two dollars a gallon, um, which is what Chris calculated based on our average water flow for the last three years. So that if you do the math tonight, it's about eighty eighty-five thousand right. a, a, a one-time payment. Right. So the borough school has a septic. Does the borough school has a septic system right now. Is it is it failed or has it been tested? No, we, we maintain it. We we you know pump it every year and, and have it you know checked and stuff like that. Um, but you will notice that um, it's actually underneath one of the playgrounds and then partially into the field of the other. Um, it's in the down gradient um, going towards the wetlands. Um, and actually borders right, right on the wetlands. Uh, so, you know, they, again, our ability to, if we had to, uh, to rebuild it in the future, there's not a lot of overflow area uh, in which to go. Um, so I'm not sure how well that would go. I guess it would depend on perks and, and things of that nature. So that would just be decommissioned. You tie the pipe in, pay the pay that one time, right. and then uh, and then we would pay, pay the water sewer, bill, the sewer right, bill. Right. So the, the the calculations that you've done to date for costs and building costs and stuff, did it take into account a rebuilt septic system or a no, connection to sewer? Again, on the MSBA's process, they will not participate in sewer um, fees at all they, or or uh, septic systems. They believe that's uh, outside of the the cost of the project. Um, they they do similar things with their outside work on projects. Mm -hmm. They limit the value they'll put into it. But that's why this is kind of critical that we. 
get this figured out up front before we go into the process. If we were to go into a total rebuild and rip off the entire system, we could get a portion of it. But the, the again, now the reality is, was that the best move for the town for the long term? And, and I would have to say, if anybody can go on sewer, you, you really want to go on sewer, especially with a facility that has that's of this size. In um, the figures that we're looking at putting in at the 1,900 gallons, does that have any effect on the other businesses that are waiting or paying? Or is it? It's been a while since I looked at it back when we were doing the Fisher Street and the numbers, but there's plenty of excess capacity that this isn't going to short-circuit anyone else that's trying to get it? And it should be because of the Cannon um, Forge. Yeah. That's additional that we haven't right. really counted. About 72,000 gallons. So that's really good. That, that Cannon Forge has? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll 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 at the, the last meeting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my impression from the water and sewer meeting that I had with them is that the, they were not concerned about the, the 1,900 gallons mm -hmm. at all. No. Um, <laughs> they, they, they just brought up the fact that I may need to, to create a district for it, yeah. but other than that. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, last I knew they were aching to sell. Yeah. So. Yeah, they have, they have capacity. They need to they need to sell flow. Right. right. Flow is good. And I actually believe that, you flow. know, That's this actually piece. is a cash positive for them because at town meeting we bought it for probably half of what we're talking about having to pay less, to buy it. Less than $5. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so a tenth of it. <laughs> I don't feel too ripped off now. <laughs> just had to ask. <laughs> just, uh, Bill Keen, just out of curiosity, um, do you think um, Roger could uh, let us know how much flow they have sold and you know, they've actually, they've because, done very, actually very well. Right. Um, I think yeah. we're, we're Fisher Street. It'd be nice to kind of update the yeah, board just, on that. That's fine. I can do yeah, that. Yeah, that would be good. Questions? Good move. So, Bill, should we um, so you, the, close, the, close Yeah, the, the um, <laughs> I would um, ask that you've, you've opened the, the warrant. So now the question is, do you, does the board want to include this article in the warrant? So that would be the next action, and then I would move to close the warrant. So two actions. So uh, move to approve. Uh, move, move to include. Move to include this article yes. in the warrant. Second. What's your main second? Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. And a motion to close the warrant. No, move to close the warrant. Second. What's your main second? Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a little behind. Uh, discussion, possible action, town warrant articles, and proposed FY19 budget. So, Chairman, in, in lieu of the fact there's a number of items here, uh, does, do you, would you like to take the uh, the 810, 820 item out of order? If that's because I know sure. folks are folks are waiting. So, yep. I'm getting I'm getting nods from the audience. So, so we're going to do that. <laughs> so it might be might be good to kind of take Child Sexual Abuse Awareness Committee, uh, discussion possible action draft policy to establish mandatory training for child sexual abuse awareness.
So, Chairman, just for the sake of clarification, uh, Jamie Kenny, who was the attorney who actually wrote, helped write this document for you, um, unfortunately, is not able to attend uh, due to a family illness. And uh, so, Jack Dolan is was available tonight. So, he's here, to, to, and he normally, is, Jack, is the person that does review these articles, or these these, these policies before they get uh, submitted for final approval. Um, so Jack uh, would have been here normally under the circumstance, but he wasn't available last time. So Jamie substituted for him, so he's going to substitute for Jamie tonight. So, well, for the record, Jamie did a great job. Good time, Mike. So, you want to? So before the the board tonight is. Um, is a is a brand new policy um, that has that was worked on um, actually last week uh, with with a, a group a working group of, of individuals made up of members of this, of this committee uh, the uh, myself the, um, the uh, labor council um, Mary Beth and um, and the chairman of the board Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. Feldman so and um, and and a member of the personnel board um, Gary Whitehouse so so. So we, we tried to get everybody together into one room and sort of hash this out, and actually it came, it came pretty, pretty easily but with everybody working in the same room, so I thought it was a good process, and we got it done fairly quickly. So the, the document itself says, um, um, I'm waiting for it to come up here, sorry about that. Yeah, Sometimes paper is best, it's faster than, than, than documents. So the, the policy reads as such. The Town of Foxborough Policy on Child Sexual Abuse Awareness Training. Definitions, town employee shall be defined in this policy as a, any person performing services for or holding an office, position, employment, or membership in the town, department, or agency, whether by election, appointment, contract, hire, or engagement, whether serving with or without compensation on a full, regular, part-time, intermittent, or consultant basis. Training is, shall be defined pursuant to this policy as an online or in-person training program recommended by the Town of Foxborough's Child Safety Committee as sexual abuse awareness training. Applicability, this policy shall apply to all town employees as defined above. Policy, it is the policy of the Town of Foxborough, um, parentheses the town, that all town employees comp uh, complete child sexual abuse, abuse awareness training. Initial training shall be completed within 90 days of, of appointment Retraining shall be completed every two years thereafter. Training is mandatory. However, in, the, in, in exigent circumstances, the town manager may excuse an employee for a training at his or, her, 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 his or her sole discretion. Disciplinary action, employees who fail to complete the training under this policy may be such a disciplinary action up to including termination. So um, the policy, so what is the action that was being proposed is that the board would, would hear this policy um, it would then go to uh, actually it would then go to back to the, per, the uh, personnel board for further consideration, and then we would then take that pro policy that was approved and then impact bargain it with all, with any of the unions that we had to impact bargain with. So um, that was the process that was laid out. This is the first approval process, if you will, uh, that's being proposed tonight. I'm certainly open to any further comments that anybody wants to share relative to the process. One comment. Uh, you, you read a policy, the first policy was, as written. You didn't make the change of uh, the uh, title of the committee. I actually did. This is not the – I actually sent the, the new – Okay. Oh, this may not be the one that uh, – You just read the wrong one. You just read the wrong one. I apologize. The the, the, yeah, so the one I had title. was 
I apologize. I actually sent an, an updated version of that. So, um, just you read yeah, the wrong the, one. You, yeah, I'm sorry. So the one I have in here was the wrong one. It's a, the top proper title is the Town of Foxborough Child Sexual Abuse Awareness Committee, and I, I actually put in parentheses the FCA, yep. uh, FCSAAC. You have copies of the. There you the go. Right. Okay. So I apologize for that. No problem. I got the wrong. I got the wrong one. There you go. So. So yeah, the I do the, you do have the right the the right one in your hands. So thank you. So first of all, I want to thank everybody for the patience. Um, this has been a long time overdue, um, but we're here now. Um, we're going to look to the committee uh, to stay fully engaged um, and to work with the town to make sure that this policy continues in, in perpetuity. Um, no, no words can, as a parent, no words can describe that training. I think every parent who has a child should take the training. No question about it. Um, I know when I took the training, it was, it was eye-opening. Um, so all I can say is, <coughs> sorry it took so long, but here we are. Um, and keep up the good work. So, any questions from the board? No. Comments? Yeah, just just a comment. It's it's I echo chairman's sentiment. Um, thank you for your, your your work on it, and please stay involved if you can. I know you're in the transition of of, of moving off, but um, a ton of work and. You know, 1983, the National Abuse National Child Abuse Prevention Month was started, so it's fitting that April is this month, and it's taken us a while to get here. But rather than reading it and understanding the legalese, this does take a couple more steps. We've got to get it through uh, the labor board. We've got to get it negotiated with the unions. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's watching at home, what's, what's behind this is, and if I'm repetitive, I'm sorry, but in the, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, Bill Sheehan molested a ton of boys. He, he worked for the town, and it went unnoticed. This means that every employee in town, part-time, full-time, as a contractor, has to take the training, period. If we get pushback on the, from the unions and pushback from the labor that we have, then we just got to push harder. This is the first town that has done this, and you guys should be proud because it's taken years to get to this point. It's like pushing molasses uphill. And, and Jay Barrows, thank you. you. You work. It's still stuck at a higher level at the Senate and the House. Um, it was well received, but it's stagnant right now. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a one-page piece of paper, but the work that went into this for you guys in, in, the, in what's going to happen once this becomes policy and everyone's trained, you are going to have to train Hundred people on this overnight. Um, it's it's That's fine. yeah. And, and you worked with the churches and you worked with the different groups. But um, thank you for bringing the reports to us every year. You mandated to do it, but hopefully it stays strong. And I'm hoping within within next year, it, it's already starting to get rule of thumb for people for coaches and stuff. So it's we're getting there. But um, I just wanted to under, people understand it at home. It's not just a piece of paper. There's a couple more steps with the town to get it where it needs to get. So, thank you. I have a question on the actual policy part. So the document that we have under um, where it says policy, the second paragraph, last sentence, 
Um, why can the town manager basically excuse somebody from this training? We, we, this we talked about that at the committee level. There, there are situations, believe it or not, where uh, it's not believe it or not, it, there are situations where people have been personally impacted by the situation, by the very issue that they're being trained by. And so, therefore, they, that would be considered exigent circumstances in which we would consider that and as to whether or not the person really wanted to be exposed to that level of training because it could actually may bring back some very uh, negative connotations to it. Okay. So you guys all discussed yeah. it? Everybody, okay. everybody was fine with it. I just, it caught me off guard, yeah. you know. Um, like yeah. Chris, the number, you know, 99% of people will still get trained, but occasionally we do hear that comment, so we have to include for it in here. So that would be basically the only... Way that you would be that I that I know of. I, there may be other exits which I haven't considered or I haven't I haven't thought of. Yeah, but have, we but but, it, but it's it's pretty Chris, it's pretty there rare. That you hire that's had very similar training that we've already vetted other types of training. Right. Churches do that may have already come with some training right. that's similar, and they may want mm -hmm. to say that's that satisfies this requirement. Right. So, but that person every two years would have to get retrained. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Okay. Anything? Just, you know, 2012 till now, so um, we've got it so that all of the youth groups understand that in order to be on the fields with our children, they need to take this course and they need to be up every two years, um, and they're doing well with it. So um, we didn't need a policy for that, but... Um, it's, it's part of the lease agreement when they go to use the fields. So <clears throat> hopefully um, the unions in town will understand how important this is to the community. Um, and if they need a quick history lesson, they can call any one of us. I think it's important that, to show that all everybody's taken the training, currently employed, pretty much, mm -hmm. and uh, there isn't any pushback. From unions, from anything, because first of all, we're doing it on town time, so nobody's working off time to do it. And it's something. If even if they don't have direct contact with kids every day, they can use it in their home life. So it's not, you know, like I say, there's been no pushback, and I can't imagine there being any pushback because it just doesn't make sense. So, so I, I would I would ask that the board vote to adopt this uh, measure, or this this policy, and then send it forward to the the, the uh, uh, in draft form, and send it to the uh, to the, the personnel board, as well as the uh, and then and then we would start the process of negotiating it as well. It's, and I have to stress the word draft because there may be things that come out of the negotiations that the folks here haven't considered that, and I have to bring that back because uh, all intents and purposes, we still have to remain open-minded to the, to, the, to the discussion. You said they have to go before the unions now? Yes, it's impact bargaining. Is this policy, is it in place now? It is. Or, or do we have to wait until all the unions, everybody is? Well, we've been we've been we've been training as many people as possible. So we haven't stopped that process, but the, but there's nothing here that sort of requires it, if if you will. Everybody here has more or less voluntarily done it, 
So we've had a lot of volunteers. That's the majority of all the departments that right. we affect. Yeah. So to yeah. answer your question, the practice is already in place. Yeah, okay. so the practice is already in place. This really helps us for when, you know, you hire someone new. Um, this goes in the onboarding packet now so that it's just one of the policies yep. that they and do. And it puts some meat behind our intentions. Correct. And I think, you know, like Bob was saying, that you don't know, you, don't, you never know when you're going to need this information, but we sort of made a, a, a tacit promise that we would have, we would maximize the number of eyes and ears in this community mm -hmm. on young children. You could be in the inspector's office, you could be in the DPW, you could be somewhere where you see something and without the training you might not recognize that this is a concern. And that's what, you know, Dave calls it an eye-opener. It really is, but it provides the majority of people who work in Foxborough with um, the ability to understand when something means something and when it doesn't and what the signs are. And it'll just help us all keep all those eyes and ears on, on kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and the, I think the second part of that is if you can recognize it, it gives you a path of what do you do, who do you who do you talk to, how do you how do you approach it, and the confidence to yeah. act. A lot of people might that, see something really and they, they don't know what to do. I think everybody's had that moment where you say, hmm, that the, where it could be it could be about other types of use or your grocery store, but this training really does give you the confidence to act. So I think that's that's really what's most important if we're going to be serious about protecting children. And those cards that you give out are very powerful. Those, those cards you give out? Yes, yeah. They're very powerful. I mean, it's right there. Whoever designed those did a good job. Okay. <laughs> that would be Linda. Yeah. <laughs> right, so that's the uh, the action before the board, if, if, uh, if you will, Mr. Chairman. I'd like to move to uh, adopt... Uh, the draft policy on child sexual abuse awareness training. Second. Motion made. Second. Uh, any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? No. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you Thanks, very much. The, Thanks to the committee. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. <clears throat> You want to do the firefighters' contract? Yeah. Sorry, Mr. Representative. Yeah. Um, we're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to uh, do the firefighter contract. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, so the you know, do the fire contract at yep. this one. Yeah. So uh, motion to approve the um, is requested by the board to approve the uh, fire contract that's been proposed. It is a, a two percent increase over over uh, FY seventeen and eighteen. Um, it also includes a three hundred dollar increase in the in the emergency um, paramedics par paramedics paramedic stipend uh, EMT stipend paramedic stipend rather and um, for each of the years so, so that is the only impact on these changes at all um, we have we have the cost impacts that we've provided for you as well so um, that is the action before the board uh, move to approve firefighter contract second motion made second any further discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. So that will be in your packet to sign. Okay. All right, and then uh, that leaves us with the with the budget and the uh, warrant, Mr. Chairman. Um, okay. Discussion, possible action, town warrant articles, and proposed FY19 budget. So you have before you tonight this the latest version of the warrant itself. 
Um, so we, uh, hold on a second here. Also in the budget, it also includes the budget, the, uh, the, the recommendation of the budget as well. So, um, <coughs> see. So I, I, I'm open to how the board wants to proceed relative to the articles. Um, well, I, I think the the last meeting we went through article by article, right. with the exception of of the budget. Does the board have any questions relative to the to the warrant or the budget at this time? Um, not speaking on behalf of the board, but for me, um, do we know of anything that's that's probably going to come off? Yes, uh, the the item relative to to number nineteen, which is the Pratt School, that item will come off likely because it's, it's not ready, okay. not ready to be acted on at this time. Is there any other warrant articles that are in jeopardy of not being ready? Um. Most likely the library contract will be out because we haven't even begun negotiating. Uh, I talked to them today, and they had a number of snowstorms for their union meeting, so they... Um, they're just not, they're not I ready. I talked to the union president. They're comfortable with that going to a fall item. We'll continue to negotiate, you know, we'll begin negotiations, but we won't make it on the, fire con on the library contract. Trying to find you the warrant article number. It's moved. And then we're going to amend this, this sewer service area map to include the borough school. So that's yes, and, that, and that's uh, that was retreated as Article XX on your list. Yeah. So we just so likely what will happen is that we replace the Pratt School number with uh, the, uh, with with that one. So, so that'll be the new number nineteen, effectively. Why is the hawkers and peddlers highlighted? That is. Um, that's that's ready to go. Still, it's still ready to go. Um, the the um, I don't know why it was highlighted. Quite honestly, <clears throat> yeah. there's no particular reason from our end. I don't know why it was was still highlighted. Okay. Those those were my questions relative to the yeah. to the warrant articles. I don't know if members of the board have any other questions relative to the, the articles, with the exception of the budget. What's the adcoms schedule? They all. They've been working right right through the articles so far. They've actually already acted on some of the articles, um, and they, they're proceeding through there. And so, Randy, you want to just speak to that? Sure. Um, they're looking to uh, complete their voting uh, by, I believe it's April twenty fifth. That's a Wednesday. Um, we're actually adding in um, additional meeting that week as well in order to accommodate. Um, uh, Participation for uh, planning articles. Make sure that all parties are are available both in adcom and um, in planning. So uh, they are moving uh, very efficiently through hearing the articles and voting the articles. So they should be completed by the twenty fifth. Well, well, ideally, what would the board need to act on their articles? Um, in order for the to meet the publishing timelines. which will be your next meeting. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to vote to close, to close this tonight, or do we? We're going to close it. I mean not close it, but to keep everything or remove things. No, we, we can do that. We'll, 
we'll remove stuff and add, add stuff on the last meeting, right? You can you can take your positions on it uh, effectively at the 17th if you so choose. If you want to do some of it now, you can do that too. Entirely up to you. You think we'll have a, a final draft by the 17th? Yeah, it's, it's pretty close now, actually. Why don't we wait till the 17th? Yeah. Okay. We can present you the final spreadsheet yeah. along with the language. Okay. All right. So if there's anyone from the ad, some people from the ad call, if they have any questions from us, or to help their process. Yeah. yeah. Uh, members of the ad over here, any questions for us? I'm here as a private citizen tonight. Private citizen, all right, you know. <laughs> no? Um, the, the, the representative was here. I just because uh, he, he wanted to just at least update you relative to the land, uh, the state land piece. We met uh, this past week, uh, actually yesterday, with folks from uh, from from the state, from the Department of Agriculture, as well as the Department of uh, uh, DCAM, right? Yeah, so so we, we've been ensured with the meeting that we had yesterday. I want to just come to the table, Representative. Sorry, yeah, sorry about that. You. State your name, please. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Barrows, um, thank you. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess it was yesterday. Yeah, it was so, yesterday, um, believe it or not. Yeah. Yesterday we met with uh, uh, DCAM, who was in charge of state assets, and the Department of Agriculture representative. Uh, the land that's in question on Route 140 um, is under the control of the agriculture folks. Um, but with our meeting, it was agreed that we could uh, do an exchange. So if we're able to come up with an equivalent value of open space uh, that would be dedicated to remaining that way, um, we could do a swap. So that's kind of where we're at right now, um, trying to get some clarification from them as to the next steps, how to evaluate uh, what, the, what the land is worth. I think it's realistically looked at as agricultural land in a certain area. It's not going to be valued at commercial because it has to remain that. So it's not like you're buying... Uh, an area where you could put a strip mall up that's worth X with 30,000 cars a day going by. This is just, it's a patch of 2.1 acres of agricultural land. So if we can replicate that somewhere else. So we're, we're doing that. This is the first step in that process. So, so if the town meeting is successful in supporting the effort, then we take it to the next step with evaluating what it is. So one of the questions that had come up uh, repeatedly was the fact that there was in the, a, a ch exchange of value Oh, in other words, would the town have to pay for this land? The answer is no. We would, we would exchange existing open space, which you're required to do anyways. If you take land out of open space purposes, you're required to replace it. So we would do that with existing land in town, identify those parcels. The town owns several parcels that, that are currently in open space, space, but we would have to identify that in exchange for that process. So the, the first step in the process, though, believe it or not, is actually to take the action that's before you, and that would be to approve the, the action it would then go to the legislature. The legislature would then approve it, and then the, then the process of identifying the parcels would then go back, back and forth with the town. The town would then take another action at a town meeting to, to, to uh, more or less exchange those parcels for this parcel. And so there's actually two town meeting actions. There's this one just to enter into the process, go to the legislature, then and, and then we go back to town meeting to actually exchange parcels, and then um, and then there's an agreement to. Uh, how the land's going to be used, that type of thing. They, they basically, the, the, the issue was, um, is they, they understand this is going to be used potentially for public safety purposes. They recognize that 
if it were, we all recognize that if it was changed, used for something else, we'd have to go back to the legislature to to change that purpose if we needed to do that. But the, but the discussion so far has been just to strictly use that for a potential use as a as a, as a public uh, public safety use. So it's a, it's the same process as the auditorium. Essentially, yes. Right. It's it's four or five steps before you get there. Yeah. But I guess the good news is nobody said no. Yeah, exactly. the, the folks yes. we sat with yesterday could have as easily said, no, we're not going to, yeah. you know, take away any agricultural land. So, um, you know, I think it was well laid out what, what our message was to them, and they were acceptable to it. So I feel confident that um, we'll be able to, you know, take it to the next step and move forward, and it should work out to the advantage of the community. <clears throat> That's the hope. The chair, just um, is it the first step is to get the land in, in this process, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that remember, you know, when the fire station was built, and we talked a little bit about this before, but the fact that we're looking at a second <coughs> substation, or I, I don't know the terminology, at what point did the town say we need it, or did we do a study that says our call times would be better, or the traffic is worse? Is this just people asking because it's free land, or has we... We've done a study because I, I don't. So I to, I it, the, it just appeared yeah. at one point. Yeah, understood. And, mm -hmm. Yep. So I'll have to let the fire chief speak to that. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for asking that question. Mm -hmm. You asked me that question in 2009 when I was coming in front of you as your fire chief. Mm -hmm. So I asked you if, that same yeah, exact same question. question yeah. You're on the adcom. So you know the uh, thing is, is it's a great question, and I think it absolutely needs to be told to the to the public and to all our residents. We're not looking to build a substation today. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, I've been telling for 10 years that we've got to keep our eyes in, uh, on the numbers. Our uh, response times are already starting to show the increase because of the growth that we have in the 140, uh, 106, that Green Street. Uh, looking at our response times towards Cedar, uh, end of South Street, we, we, we have those numbers. We can bring out that data any time. But we need to make it clear to, the, to everybody, we're not looking to build a substation today. What we're doing is we're planning, being proactive, and trying to put the building blocks in place with the help of our representative mm -hmm. and, and trying to find those locations that would be, be best suited at the time that we're ready. I'm not saying we're ready today. Mm -hmm. But if we are able to be able to swap a piece of land that is going to be kept as free open space, for a viable spot that could be a potential location for a future station and not cost the taxpayers, I think that's a, a home run with baseball around the corner. So uh, I just really, I, I'm happy you asked that question because it, we need to make sure that everybody realizes we're not looking to build a substation today or tomorrow. That's not what this is about. It's just trying to plan for the future. Chief Hatfield, is that the best location for a substation? Or is that the only space that's available? From the right now, if you would start to look at, if I had to build it today, I would be looking at the aspects of our response times, our call volume, and we have really limited locations in that area for us as a town. Um, if that was the decision that we were going to look at today. You know, we've had lots of discussions with ADCOM and my liaisons about what about east, eastern part of the, uh, of the town, East Street in that area. Also has some of the same situations, long response times. We don't have the call volume as much, but we still have those response times that we have to be considered and concerned about at all times. I've been bringing that up, 
and looking at that. But we have to pick the right time to do the right project when the community can afford it. And with the growth that we have out in that 140 area and all of that, and with the future growth of, of that potential uh, you know, senior housing project, we have to look at that for the future. This is a great spot because of the location, uh, and it doesn't have a lot of turns. It doesn't have a, a lot of, um, of issues surrounding that spot. It gets us straight shots to major arteries. It gets us straight shots to the highway where our, we've had an increase of car accidents on 95 and on 495. It's a very good location if we could ever get it to be dedicated for that future use. Now, we've had discussions. If What if, at the time, we found a better location that we as a community want to build that substation at? We have to turn the land back over to the state or ask the state to reallocate it for another town of Foxborough project. So we're not, we're not locked like we have to build the station there and we have to build it now. There's no time window. It's just committing a beautiful piece of par property for, that would meet our needs for the future. And, and didn't we um, fund a study, a public safety study? Has that begun yet or is that? The RFP is pretty yeah, close pretty to being done. We're just waiting for a few pieces on right. the P PD side. Mm -hmm. And then we recently obviously finished the Route 140 quarter study. And again, the traffic counts are certainly higher. Um, you know, when, when the chief and I spoke originally about this, when you look at the reach that Foxborough is responsible for along the 495 corridor, mm. it's it's good haul. And, um, you know, Mansfield has now moved about a mile or so, a little bit further, uh, out onto 106. Uh, a lot of mutual aid exists. We're going to have regional dispatch. We're going to have somebody sitting across one another. You know, I think we're going to be able to react quicker and, and more efficiently with the use of everybody's help. But um, this is a long process. These things, I guess I always say that when I, when I talk about the <laughs> legislature. I'm proof, in fact, that it takes forever to get anything done. But it, it is a long process. And so um, just by us starting this and the fact that we've got um, an agreeable uh, administration to do it, um, I think we should pursue it. Again, it's up to the, the pleasure of the board and, and the, uh, the pleasure of the town meeting folks. But, again, I, I don't see it really costing us anything other than uh, appraisals, which are probably a year or so down the road, uh, for that to happen. Um, but we've got folks here that are looking at um, and certainly more than capable of determining, again, dirt for dirt, if you will. Uh, to remain as open space. So and the short answer to all of that is that this is strictly strategic planning. That's all it is. Thank you. You're welcome. Am I good? Yeah. Any other questions? No, I'm good. Okay. Dismissed, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks, Representative. Good to see you. Thank you. All right. Budget. How would you like to proceed? <laughs> Run through it real quick. Okay. I'll have you can actually go through the budget. Run it quick.
far as the uh, the general fund budget goes, um, based on the, um, the town manager's recommendation, which is also accepted uh, by the advisory committee as well, um, we are, are balanced um, initially by about $436,000 to the positive. But uh, unfortunately, with the snow and ice season that we've had, um, we'll probably need uh, about $100,000 uh, to go towards our snow and ice this year. So the, the deduct off of next year's taxes, which is our contingency, uh, we had planned 300000 Right now, we stand at about three seventy-eight. So I'm expecting that to come in close to 400000 But in essence, still balanced um, by, uh, by over three hundred. Thousand dollars and all without the need to uh, to use free cash uh, to balance the budget, which is a first uh, for the community, um, and uh, it's uh, based on, on on that dynamic that um, we will be positioned uh, to, assuming the townspeople vote for the um, uh, for the borrow school project and the the bond authorization for that, uh, we will be uh, in very good shape uh, to absorb. Uh, the debt service for that project, which would be approximately uh, $1.1, $1.2 million within the, within the levy limit, because that's uh, right around what we would normally use from free cash uh, to go towards, uh, towards the operating budget. So we've, we've, the, the room is there uh, within, within our recurring revenue, and um, that's, the, you know, that's the proposed use for that is to um, take that burden off the taxpayers. Um, uh, as far as uh, our, our assumptions to, uh, to support this right now, unfortunately, all we have is the governor's budget for state aid. Um, and uh, in essence, the, the numbers are, are flat, uh, actually slightly lower uh, than they were last year net-net. Um, but, you know, we've become accustomed to that. So um, what's helping us to sustain um, the recurring revenue that we need to sustain uh, the services is uh, the growth in our our tax base. Um, so our new growth taxes, um, you know, continue to perform well, uh, as well as our uh, our local receipts. Um, and I have to also give credit to uh, the ambulance receipts as well, uh, because they contribute not only a significant portion uh, or 100 percent of all of the capital needs that the fire department needs. Um, but it also contributes close to a million dollars uh, towards the operating budget annually uh, as well. So I guess you could say it, at this moment uh, in time we're firing on, on all cylinders and uh, able to sustain the, um, the recommended budget by, by the town manager. <coughs> Questions from the board? Yes. No. Jimmy? No. Jimmy? <laughs> oh, please say no. I spoke enough now. I'm good. Thanks. All right. Thank you. That's right. Thanks, Jimmy. The next. Um, so we're going to. We've decided we're going to wait until the 17th and we're going to go through all those items, including the capital, items. the capital process, everything. Okay. And the law. So that will be strictly a financial meeting. Uh, other items that we have for that day at this point? Amanda, do you know offhand? 
What's that agenda looking like? <coughs> National grid is coming in. Uh, well, let's get a Fox Pro Day. Okay. I won't. I won't leave. So, you know, did you? Firefighters swearing in. Um, we need to make sure we have something for clean up Foxborough Day on that. All right. Okay, so we don't we don't forget. We'll also be Sorry. doing the DPW contract and yes. open session if it goes well in session. I just want to make sure we have enough time for. I think collectively it'll be a, it'll it may run a little bit long, but we should be okay. Okay. All right. Jumped all over the place tonight. We're all we got us. We got all those items, right? Yep. Selectman's update. Okay. So, <coughs> selectman's update. I mentioned earlier uh, when Jared was here about the uh, Foxborough Cultural Council uh, grant recipient uh, ceremony that was uh, pretty cool, mm -hmm. actually. Um, good time. Still trying to figure out the the performance. A uh, little weird, but. <laughs> it, was pretty, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Those those kids do a great job, and like I said, the cultural council does does a great job. Um, I'll, I'll say it again: no no committee in town does more with less. So, um, kudos to them. So, you know, open up to the board. I got. Um, I went last week um, to the regional transportation meeting at. Stadium, Bill and Mary Beth were there. Paige presented. She did a great job presenting. Um, a lot of exciting opportunities for the next two, three, four, five, ten years. Yeah. In this whole area with regional transportation. Um, it was a full house. It was, it was 80, yeah. it was very, 80 or 90 very people there from across our whole region. So um, just a good job by Paige. My little, so a little bit of my thunder on that one. So. Sorry, that was, <laughs> was a good. Was, it was a good meeting. It was, and, um, it was very informative because and timely because it's interesting because if I look back four years ago, we had that we hosted that same meeting there, and I think I was on the job like like about two weeks. And it's interesting how we've evolved even since that period of time. And ideas that you had, I think you had suggested, Jenny, were talked about and actually starting to come for, to fruition relative to trying to put together um, uh, local bus services that will help connect the dots, if you will, from between, between transportation modes that we're trying to put in place. And, um, and the real need to um, have a coalition, if you will, of, of everybody sort of participating into that process so that ultimately we're able to get the best opportunities and best options for our, for our residents and for our businesses, which is critical to getting people around. So I think I think that was a, it was a great meeting and, and uh, I'm happy that you know our town planning director was sort of the leading leading person in, in putting that helping, helping to pull that together. So it was great to uh, it was a real tribute to her to do such a good job. Um, just a, another um, uh, thing that I wanted to bring to the board's attention is that today, earlier today, we um, we were with uh, Representative Barrows and Senator Senator Feeney up at at the State House testifying on the, the local bill that this town actually supported at the uh, at annual at the at the last town meeting in the fall to put together a a, a, uh, a funding request for under the charter schools the, the school amendment which would effectively allow us to get paid 100 percent 
of the uh, funding that's due to the town of Foxborough. Um, we're very pleased to report that we were actually asked to present on, on a bill like that, which I didn't quite think we would, to be quite honest with you, because it's a big, it's a big lift in terms of getting funding for that particular issue. Um, so we were able to demonstrate uh, today to the, to the Committee on Education that um, not only is it impactful to the town of Foxborough, but it's, it's, it's significantly impact, uh, impactful across the Commonwealth. And that clearly this is, well, no one here uh, takes issue with the, the concept of charter schools. The funding mechanism truly is, is, um, is not set in the right direction and needs to be looked at seriously. Because what it's doing effectively is draining off resources from the, the public education system, which in Foxborough is, is something that we're all very, very proud of and one which we want to continue to, put to, to uh, develop over time. But if you look at during the past 18 years or so, when this, this one particular issue has been measured against our growth in state aid, we're actually, the, the growth in the, in, the, in the charter school funding has gone from, uh, has, has actually outpaced our growth in state aid by 109%. So effectively, we've, we've received about $23 million in in uh, growth in, in, in Chapter 78, but yet, but yet we've been charged almost $24 million in, in terms of charter school assessments. So what's happened effectively is that we've got no, no, no additional help, and actually it's drained some of our help uh, for, by going to, into, a, into our local school system. So what's happened is, is effectively the, the local community is actually supporting the growth in our education program, yet and the remainder of that money is going back to the, is going back to the charter school. Again, not an issue about the school itself, but more about the funding mechanism. And, th and this is really something that uh, we hope that the, the Commonwealth will take a hard look at. It's interesting to point out, though, that the committee today said that, that Massachusetts actually is one of the biggest supporters of, of funding for charter schools in, anywhere in the country, which, which is a little disturbing because in many ways what's happening is that, is that all that funding is, is coming from, from, this end of, uh, from this overall education expense, Going into that program, but yet uh, it's 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 also happening across the country in the same direction. But only we're doing more of it, so we're putting a lot of money in that direction. And where in fact there are a lot of communities, a lot of cities that are really hurting because of the because of the drain of, of funding against the public education programs. So that's something that we we were able to convey to the committee today. Don't know where it'll go from here, but but at least we got heard, and that's something that. Uh, is, a, is a major step in the right direction. We did have support um, from the MMA on this because the MMA has made this a, uh, one of the cornerstone issues that they think it really needs to be addressed, and we were pleased that we were able to make a pretty good argument on behalf of the town and behalf of the Commonwealth today on that issue. So grateful to be uh, grateful for Bill Euchner and, and for uh, Randy Scollins to, uh, to, to assist me in that effort this afternoon. Um, we, as I pointed out, we did have a, a good meeting with... Uh, Representative Barrows yesterday as well on the on the on the on the land piece, and um, we've been busy on a lot of different fronts. So um, it's been a, been a busy few weeks, but we have a lot going on that hopefully will get us uh, wrapped up for ready for town meeting in just a few more weeks. Town meeting just uh, for everybody's edification is March is May 14th, so we're we're just about six weeks away from that that date, and um, six weeks from tonight I believe it is. So we will be. Uh, we're charging forward to finish everything up with the warrant. Everything's uh, in place at this point. The, 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 the meetings with the AdCom have been going very well. Um, they've been very, very informative, very instructive, 
and uh, there's been good dialogue on, on all the articles and uh, just want to make that make that point as well. All right, that's my report. Can, I just ask a mm. um, can you give us an update on the uh, the sewer lines near the old fire station and what's what's they, they will be starting to work on that probably uh, this month. They'll be back out there trying to uh, finish the work that needed to be finished. Out there, so that's that's clearly not done. They, right. they still need to be doing more work. I'm hoping that the whole thing will be done before uh, before the end of this fiscal year. So we should be should be wrapped up in that work. Okay. All right. Um, on that note, if it's okay, um, I know it's under construction. It's probably the, they're not going to pave. Yeah, but it's horrendous to drive on. Mount it is. I, I just it's, actually drove that. I actually drove over today, Jim. Yeah. So I agree with you. <coughs> I'm actually going to take that up as part of my operations meeting tomorrow morning. So hopefully, I can get out there and, and, and do it, some and work. And I know it's that. not the DPW that's doing the construction. It's the contractor that's going to do that. The contractor's going to do that work. The, the mm -hmm. materials that are laden all over the side of the road, the pipes, the totally disregard to anything that the DPW does right. as common practice. Right. So we'll uh, I'll I'll take that issue up to my tend to because I drove I purposely drove over that street today to see what kind of condition it's in tough shape. So I will uh, certainly raise that issue. Um and then uh, we, we mentioned it just a few minutes ago. Last, I did, I did want to make uh, mention of the fact that we did reach out to um, to uh, to National Grid as requested by the board at the I think it was your last meeting indicating that they'd like to, they, uh, if they will come out and just give us a, an indication as to how they fared during the last storms, also what their tra tree trimming plan is for the, for the upcoming year, and, and, and sort of try to answer the question that there's a perception that, you know, Foxborough goes down maybe more than other communities, and um, I've asked them to actually do a comparison of our community in comparison to other communities. And so that we can ever put that in perspective for you. And, um, again, this is an opportunity for them to report out to us, not, not intended to be a, uh, a, a session where we just uh, take advantage of a, a public forum to, 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 uh, to beat them up or anything like that. But they, they actually were, were very willing to do that. So they, they thought it would be helpful to keep everybody informed of what they're doing. Right. Okay. Yep. I'll have a few items. Um, first, um, I just wanted to, I know several of the board members were there as well. Uh, congratulate Mike Johns on and uh, the VFW on the vet Vietnam Veterans Ceremony that took place uh, less a week ago Friday. Um, it was a really nice ceremony. Uh, U.S. Representative Kennedy was there, and I was astounded at the number of um, Foxborough and local Vietnam vets that were there. It was a really, really nice ceremony. So um, just wanted to do a shout-out to that group. Um, today, uh, our library director, Manny Leet, held a library staff development day. Uh, a number of us were asked to present to them. Uh, Sarah Ackerman and I did um, anti-harassment discrimination training. Uh, Chief Baker presented workplace violence training. Um, I saw that uh, on the agenda that uh, Sue Thibodeau was there with regard to um, her, you know, service animals. Uh, so it was really nice concept that Manny's doing. He brings his staff together. Um, we do training, and um, it was a great day. Um, wanted to also uh, let people know, I'm not going to go through it in any detail because we're running late, but in your packet, um, I reminded last week, uh, last meeting, that on April 1st, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act took place. Um, it's a, an addition to uh, an amendment to uh, Mass General Law 151B as um, with all of the protected classes of employment, uh, pregnant workers are among those now. So that's an amendment to um, 
the um, Mass General Law 151B. If anybody needs any information on that, we will be having putting it up on our website, and um, that took place on April 1st. I uh, just wanted to let you know that Power Forward will be doing another mailing to households. Um, we received notice, notification that um, that's our energy electricity aggregation um, service. They'll be going out to 188 new National Grid basic, basic service customers in Foxborough. They'll be getting a mailing. It'll come out with the Town of Foxborough logo and say, do not discard. This is time-sensitive notification. Um, the new supply price is 9.2, um, which is considerably lower than some of the others. There will also be um, an opt-out card if people want to opt out. It's uh, very well explained in a two-page color-coded letter. Um, and if anybody has any questions, we'll have this information um, on our website, and we'll um, have a frequently asked questions if you call. Mr. Chairman, you had asked at one point whether or not it made sense for us to go out to bid now, and we're actually uh, having that conversation next week. Right, because our our, our um, contract is up with the October read. Right. Um, so now now is a good time right. um, to go out and, and, and rebid it. Yeah, we've, we've had that conversation. We actually have a meeting set up, I believe it's uh, not next week, but the week after. Okay. Um, staying on that. Mm-hmm. Do we can they can they give us a, a number of households that participated in the program? Sure. Yeah. Well, we actually have that report. We have a report on that. We can okay, give that. us a comparison: um, what they saved versus what they would have paid if they stayed on basic service. Okay. Okay. We can ask Put for that. that. On yeah. the I, I, I think people will be amazed. It, it is. Uh, it's significant, saved. actually. It's and, very. And it would be helpful if we maybe did a little. Um, customer service announcement on at the next meeting because they have until May 9th to get back uh, to respond to this. And um, as I said, it's going out on April 5th to all the household, to basic service people. So um, we'll get you that for the next They meeting. just need to respond if they want to opt out, correct? Yes. yes that's correct. It's an automatic enrollment, um, and they would have to send the card back if they're going to opt out. And then finally, I just wanted to mention to you it's April again, which means it's Bill Keegan evaluation time. So um, we're going to be uh, debuting our new um, online performance evaluation software for you. So what will happen is Bill will complete his self-evaluation, and then we will email the form in that document to all of you. You can complete it online again, and I'll compile it uh, the way that we've done in past years. So that's all I have. Thank you. All right. Action items. Okay, move to approve the naming of River Ridge Subdivision Roadways. Roadway A to Sousa Ave Avenue, Roadway B to Bemis Lane, and Roadway C to Foolish Hill Circle. Second. Motion made, second. Uh, any further discussion? No. Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Uh, move to accept a gift donation in the amount of $1,000 to Veterans Services for the Iraq and Afghanistan War Memorial from Fred and Carol Green. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Thank Seen. you for the generous gift. Yep. How are you doing, by the way? We're getting there. Okay. Uh, all those in favor? All right. <clears throat> move to accept a gift donation uh, in the amount of $50 to Veterans Services from John and Joan Hadigan. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. 
move to accept a gift donation uh, of $240 to the Council on Aging to help defray costs of programs at the Senior Center as agreed from the Friends of Foxborough Seniors. Second. Uh, motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All in favor? Aye. Move to accept a gift donation in the amount of $50 to the Council on Aging for the lockbox program from Anonymous. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Move to accept a gift donation in, in the amount of $140 to Animal Control uh, for the adoption fee from John Thibodeau. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Move to approve a seven-day entertainment license and common victualers <coughs> license to the Hampton Inn and Suites in Foxborough. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Any word on how close they are to opening? The the hotel? Yeah. Uh, tomorrow. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that's the plan. So. <laughs> you know, so I have a question on that. Um, remember when they, they talked about a, a gateway sign? Coming into the Yeah, that's the, the, that, the, only, the only thing that's holding that up right now, Ginny, is, is the is the circuit. Yeah. Okay. So is we, that where it's going to be? It's no, it's actually going to be out on Route 140. Um, so, but, but when they do the construction, they'll finish that up. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, all those in favor? All right. Okay. All right. Um, motion to go into executive session. Move, um, move to uh, move into an executive session for negotiations uh, uh, to conduct strategy sessions in preparation for negotiations for contract renewal with non-union personnel. Finance Director Randy Scons, and also to conduct strategy sessions in preparations for negotiations for contract renewal with Union AFSCME DPW and also to conduct the strategy sessions relative to pending litigation. Do I also have to put we will not be returning to uh, yeah. uh, regular session? I don't believe there's any action outside the board, outside that session. <clears throat> second. Motion made, second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? All right. Jim? Yes. Jim? Yes. 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 Yes.